Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hey mamas, how are you? In this episode, we are talking with Rachel Brown about her book For Fork's Sake, which shares her journey of how she learned to heal herself through a plant-based diet. And she ultimately wanted to really create an easy-to-consume guide so that you can feel educated and empowered to start what she likes to call a happy which is healthy and plant-powered, yay, way of fueling our bodies. My favorite part in this episode is when we talk about how cheese actually has addictive properties and the research that is continuing to be done on consuming animal byproducts and also how doctors or other providers may not be sharing this information with you simply because of the lack of nutrition classes that they are needing to take in the medical field. For me, I ultimately believe in food freedom and choosing what we want to eat. And I do believe that this is what Rachel and her family are doing. She has educated herself and made the choice that she and her family have seen so many benefits from since making that decision. So similar to Rachel's journey, I really feel like this book and Rachel's wisdom has the ability to uncover parts of your healing journey that maybe you haven't thought about before. And food and nutrition really does have the ability to help along your healing journey. So if you know, you're know you experiencing different things with your health, maybe this is an opportunity to really look at that relationship with food and nutrition and see if it's serving you or harming you in any way. And with that, let's jump into it and get this episode started. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm happy to have you here today. See, I use that word. (laughs) I love it. And um, how about we get started by you introducing yourself for the listeners? Sure. I'm Rachel Brown, and I wrote a book called For Fork's Sake, A Quick Guide to Healing Yourself and the Planet Through a Plant-Based Diet. And I love your reference to happy because the book is really our journey from eating sad, the standard American diet, to what I call happy, uh, healthy and plant-powered, yay. So um, it's the book that I wish I would have had when I was pregnant, when I was a young mom. Uh, My kids are almost 21 and almost 19, which is crazy. Um, But we went on this journey almost 13 years ago. And um, in talking with friends who are having kids now or pregnant, you know, I talked to a lot of young families and a lot of young moms who were saying, I just don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I barely read books anymore. I maybe listen to podcasts or read a blog here or there. So I set out to write a book that would give just enough information 
to um, find out more about how to eat a happy diet and change. It's not really a diet. It's a lifestyle um, so that you never have to worry about are you or your children getting the right foods? Are you getting the right nutrients? You know, do you need supplements, all that kind of stuff um, just to help young parents out and young kids out? Yeah, I know for my journey specifically in wanting to become a mom, that's when I really got more focused on the nutrition side of things because I wanted my body to be, you know, the best that it could so that I could have children and then like, you know, teach them ways of eating because I realized like my relationship with food was not really great. It was just kind of like eating whatever was thrown in front of me or like, you know, like pizza nights and like stuff like that. And completely, it was just like, you know, I don't think I really took notice to my nutrition until I was like that starting a family and thinking about like, you know, how would I feed them and what does my body need to be fueled with in order to, you know, have a healthy pregnancy and, you know, into the postpartum period. So it's, it's crazy how like, we don't really think about those things. And I think it's important as mothers to be kind of learning about those things to help our children when they're starting to eat or, you know, transitioning into foods and solids and stuff. You know, the more I'm finding out, like the more it's like, okay, like, why are we eating these things? But then we tell our kids that they can't or something. (laughs) Or like, it's eating like, you know, like snacks and things that like we would never eat. And then we're feeding it to them. So it's like going like back and forth with that. It's so true. And, you know, I gained 50 pounds with my first child and I I was so excited to eat whatever I wanted. I mean, it was just this horrible, um, you know, not being taught really how, when you think about it, other than some basic classes, maybe in high school, we don't really learn a lot about what our body really needs, you know, and now people are having a hard time getting pregnant. Sometimes that is tied to what you're eating and what your body is not getting, um, you know, this way of eating, what I love about it is it's the healthiest way to eat for your entire life. So whether you're working on getting pregnant, whether you're pregnant, whether you're in postpartum, whether your kids are in their 40s, you know, it really is. uh, Once you learn how to eat this way, you will never have to jump on any other diet trend or food eating trend. Um, So it's a way people have eaten really for millennia. It's just getting back to what we used to know, you know, that whole plant-based foods are really what we need. We don't need, like you referenced, packaged junk that, you know, our grandparents wouldn't even recognize as food um, to be eating ourselves or to be giving our kids. Yeah. I think, I think the hardest thing for moms and like, even, you know, we started off with our, our daughter kind of like a lot of processed stuff. Like she's still eating like some things that again, like I say like, Oh, like I want to eat that. But it's like, you think like, Oh, it's a kid. Like, you know, there's snacks it's for them. And like, just like within the past year, our son just turned a year. And so now he's like eating foods and everything. And we're starting to think like, do we want to feed him the things that, you know, we've just out of convenience fed Mm -hmm. her and even like, like, I'll say like fruit snacks. Now we've kind of like, we're weaning her off of them. And we'll say like fruit snacks are for the morning. And so like, instead of like six packs of fruit snacks before dinner, she knows like, oh, okay. Like, it's just like something in the morning. And then like for him, like maybe we won't 
give him those things. <laughs> but I, I think it is a lot of the times like convenience, like, oh, I don't have the time for that. I can't make these healthy meals. Like, oh, like, what am I going to give them as snacks? And same for us. Like, you know, when you're pregnant, if you're like exhausted or like, you know, like you really can't eat a lot because you have food aversions and things like that. Like, what would you say out of that sense, like convenience and like easy to go to snacks in your experience, like eating this way? Yeah. So, um, Oh, there's so much, honestly. I, I mean, one of the biggest things I, I w- had morning sickness for seven and a half months with my daughter, like had to take medication. I mean, it was bad, uh, for five and a half months with my son. So I completely get it. Um, but then after that, I made up for it really rapidly eating as much as I could once that finally went away. But you know, the, one of the big keys for me is learning about eating whole plant-based foods, that whole piece of like not needing to regulate or measure how much you're eating. I really like to eat, you know, a lot of people love to eat, right? And it's hard to restrict things you're eating. So replacing things that, you know, might not be the most healthy, those packaged kind of foods with foods you already like, you know, you can make a big batch of whatever starch you enjoy, let's say uh, rice, you know, if you like whole grain rice, um, whole grain breads, whole grain pasta, potatoes, you know, you can air fry potatoes like French fries and eat six potatoes if you want. You don't have to limit the amount you're eating. Um, You can eat a lot of wonderful food and it'll satiate you. You'll actually feel full. You start to learn to pay attention to those hunger signals when you're actually hungry or maybe are you thirsty or tired um, or emotionally depleted? You know, there can be a lot of different things that go into that. But when you learn to start to pay attention to your body and give your body what it needs, uh, it changes the whole thing. So like you were saying with young kids, you know, sometimes they don't want to eat what's put in front of them at the dinner table. But who would want to eat if you've just had string cheese and, you know, goldfish crackers, right? You, you've just had a lot of calorically dense food, and you might not then be hungry for uh, food that's a lot more nutritionally dense. Um, So being mindful of what we're eating for snacks and, and just coming up with things you like, you know, you can make a list of all the foods you love, you know, you can make a healthy cashew mac and cheese and have that as a snack, you can make amazing soups and pull out a bowl three times a day. If you're hungry, you're not going to gain weight from those foods. In fact, you might be eating more than you ever have, but weight will effortlessly come off you because you're getting what you need and your body is getting rid of what you don't need. So, um, I have recipe in my book for um, peanut butter balls. Those are a favorites for kids and moms alike. They're amazing with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, but you know, it's got really good things for you. They're energy and nutrient dense, but they taste really good too. So um, it's not like taste and flavor is not off the table. Those things will be amazing. And kind of to your point too, you know, we know now that kids, um, need to try foods probably 12 to 24 times. But we also know that our taste buds change literally every two weeks. So if you give yourself a break or your child a break, 10 to 10 days to two weeks, your taste buds are literally going to change during that time. And we had this experience with my son, you know, we were into eating this way and we were having like whole wheat pitas with some hummus and fresh veggies in it. And he was like, Oh my gosh, what is in this? (laughs) And I said, 
it's what's always in it, you know? And he's like, these red peppers are amazing. And it was literally just because his taste buds had changed. They were tasting that natural sweetness of a red pepper. But, you know, if you're having artificially sweetened, you know, maybe fruit snacks or fruit juice or whatever, candy, you know, you're not going to taste that natural sweetness like you would if, you know, that's, that's a different part of your diet. So, um, experiencing those things. And I don't know if you're watching or any of your listeners have watched the um, babies docuseries. It's on Netflix right now, but they show a study about babies preferring what their mothers ate in utero, you know, after they're born. So if you're pregnant and eating a wide variety of healthy foods, your child's going to be more likely to eat a wide variety of healthy foods. And um, those things can be really helpful early in life to learn to eat healthy foods. Those can impact food choices for the rest of your life. You know, it's not over if you, you know, didn't eat well as a child, you can still make choices. Um, you know, my kids are, like I said, older, they're in college away from home and they choose to eat this way because of how they feel. So um, yeah, it, it's been an yeah. amazing transformation. Yeah, I think it really does tie into how we're feeling because once me and my husband really made that transition into, you know, watching what we were eating and then like tracking how we were feeling and going through that process, that's, I think, like the game changer there because you're like, whoa, like I do feel more like, you know, bloated or gassy or sluggish if I'm eating this or that. And I do feel like it's individual for each person, like even just me and him he can eat some things and he's perfectly fine. Like I eat the same thing. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, right. and like, I think it's just like being able to like navigate that yourself, but like following a path that's going to allow you to become aware of how your body changes is, is something that's like, it's, I think fun to do. <laughs> I know it might seem like a tedious um, thing, but I think in the long run, we're finally realizing how we're feeling when we're eating a cleaner diet, or I don't want to say like, you're never tired, like, <laughs> but like, you're not like as tired because you're not as bloated and full and run down. So I do see like so much benefit in nutrition and just like what we're consuming and how we're fueling our body, you know, like for, for listeners that like have never gone through this process, like obviously, yeah, like it can be hard, but like there's so many benefits. So you break it down in your book, like 10 days, like, yes. Like why 10 days? Like, why did you feel that was like a good number? And like, what have you, have you heard? Like, obviously like your family, it was, it was a long transition, but like, what about those 10 days? Do you really feel like it helps? Yeah. So the beginning of the book, I, I talk about the why. So why for our bodies is this way of eating the best? Um, and that has to do with all kinds of, you know, looking at the state of um, obesity and cancer and heart disease. I mean, these epidemics in our country and Western world um, that weren't always there, right? They're rising um, so rapidly. And um, so why is this way of eating the best way for our health? And why is this way of eating the best way for the planet? I mean, we want our kids to have a habitable planet to live on. And when you start to learn about um, 
livestock production and concentrated animal feedlots and um, the foods that we are growing to feed animals rather than to feed people, uh, it just really starts to break down. So that's the beginning of the book. Just like, why? Why is this? Why is this a good idea? And the rest of the book is, like you said, broken into 10 days of how, how do you do this? So that things like uh, knowing yourself, looking at yourself, you know, am I a quick starter? Am I like black and white and ready to clean out my pantry and my fridge and um, start this thing clean slate? Or am I somebody who is a slower starter who likes to introduce one thing at a time and um, slowly things that I don't want get pushed out? So there's different ways to navigate it. You can, you know, look at yourself and your family and see what fits best. But having actionable steps at the end of each of those days to help you stay on track, you know, when grandparents are asking, why are you doing this? Why isn't your child eating cheese? You know, um, those kind of things. Uh, how do you eat out at restaurants? Um, if you're at a work event, what do you do? You know, if there's a buffet, uh, what do you tell people? How do you get involved in kids' schools or hospitals to share this information? So, um, yeah, just walk people through, um, you know, interwoven in there are mistakes we made when we transitioned. You know, we were really black and white in the beginning. And I tell a story about my son going to a birthday party and eating, I can never remember if it was um, 12 hot dogs and six cookies or six hot dogs and 12 cookies. But, you know, we learned some tricks about um, how to navigate with different personalities, uh, making changes in what we eat. So, you know, mainly getting rid of offending foods will, um, will help you feel better. And that 10 day window is really built around that um, if you get your blood drawn at the beginning of 10 days and you eat this way for 10 days, we know your taste buds are going to change, but things like your cholesterol may drop, you know, your, your bad LDL cholesterol. I mean, my cholesterol dropped 50 points in doing this. Um, but what you might feel, what most people feel is like you said, an increase in energy, like a sustained kind of energy, not the high and low of, you know, caffeine or sugar kind of energy. But, um, you know, when we did this in our mid thirties, early forties, we had more energy than we did in our twenties. And, um, it just feels fantastic to feel good in your body. Mm -hmm. Uh, your skin might clear up your digestion. Like you said, it might calm down, um, you know, introducing probably more fiber than you're used to, but we now know what's going on in the gut and how it's really our second brain. So things like anxiety and depression can even be affected by changing what we're eating. So, um, and this is without the need to count calories, like I said, or measure the amount of protein you're having or any of that. And, um, it's a simple way of eating really. Um, and it's going to save you time and money. That's, that's another thing, you know, in talking with young families, I mean, it's ridiculously expensive out there right now. So anything we can do to make this easier for people uh, is helpful. And when you take out meat and dairy and ice cream and butter and creamer, all those things from your grocery cart, um, those are the most expensive things in your grocery cart. And you can literally fill it up with fruits and veggies and whole grains and cashews and almonds, you know, even nuts. And, um, and you're still going to come out ahead. So um, it's a fantastic way to save some money. I mean, I hear every month from somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I'm off this medication and I'm saving $400 a month, you know, in groceries or whatever. So um, it can be a really helpful transition for, um, for people at any stage of life, really. But 
Uh, I really wrote it. It's the book I wish I would have had because there are wonderful plant-based cookbooks, but this gives you information that you need and then some recipes to get going as well. Hey mamas, just wanted to take a second to talk about postpartum university. Some of you are already familiar with them, but specifically for this episode, I wanted to mention it because if you're struggling with meal planning or prepping or looking for help in this specific area, they offer a six week nutrient dense meal plan with recipes, herbs, supplements, and so much more. It is designed specifically for the unique digestive needs of mothers with an emphasis on replenishing and absorbing nutrients so that you can experience less brain fog, more energy, and hormone balance faster and with ease. So I will leave a link in the show notes for you to check that out and let's get back to the episode. Yeah, there's, there's so much there. And I think, you know, that's like the biggest, I think myth is, you know, people think like, oh, if I eat this way, it's going to cost more and take more time. And it's like almost the exact opposite. And I think that's like, sometimes the most shocking thing to hear, or like, once you do start eating that way, you're like, oh, okay, like this makes sense. And like, there is options, there is you know, things at the grocery store still, like you don't have to go to like specialty stores or, you know, like order things online. Like there is more things now. And I think that is one thing that you talk about too, like in your book, like going to the grocery store and saying like, Hey, like I like this product. I'm either going to like go buy it online or if you start supplying it, I'm going to buy it from you. And I Mm -hmm. think like, you know, really pushing that and they'll see like, okay, like our customers want these products. And then maybe somebody else is going to walk in and be like, oh, I didn't know that they have this here. And now they're going to start eating that way and like having those options available to them. So I think it's like, sometimes we think like, oh, like I'm just, you know, me and like, I can't make a difference or like, you know, things like that. Like you can start things in your community. You can have a mom group and like everybody eat this way. So then like, you know, your kids don't feel alone when they go to a birthday party and like they don't have options to eat or at school, like bringing in snacks for parties and things and stuff. I think like the more we kind of become aware of it, the more culturally it's going to be acceptable and be like, okay, yeah, like that's more people being aware of it makes it easier for an individual that is like eating that way to feel like accepted and not so alone and then like make the transition easier. A little bit about me, like, I don't know if like listeners know, I I talk about it like occasionally, but for a while I was like, vegetarian like a hundred percent and like I always said I could never be a vegan because I love cheese (laughs) (laughs) I I hear you and like now I do eat fish like when my husband and I moved in together like just to make meals and things like that like he is I don't know if he could ever not eat meat (laughs) we'll see he's he's tried like you know veggie options and things like that but he is like meat all the way um but like we started eating fish But yeah, the cheese, I think, is something. And after reading your book and like understanding like, oh my gosh, like it could be like an addiction because the same receptors and everything, (laughs) I was like, wait, maybe I need to take a step back and see like, why am I eating the cheese? So can you kind of go into, you know, cheese specifically and like what's going on there? 
Yes. And, you know, I had the same experience. I thought it would be really hard to, you know, transition this way of eating, but meat for me was not hard to give up. I mean, the smell of barbecuing burgers smells good to me, but they they don't really taste that great to me. Um, You know, but cheese was the hardest thing. And when I read um, Dr. Neil Bernard's book, The Cheese Drop, and finding out, it was such a relief to find out that it's literally addicting because I was going, why is this so hard for me? This is like my one downfall. You know, I do really well. And then there'd be an opportunity to have cheese. And I was like, oh, yes, some cheese. (laughs) Um, So yes, it has to do with the dairy protein. And it it acts like a mild opiate for us. But if you think about it, you know, baby cows need to want their mother's milk. So um, there are a lot of hormones in there. And um, that's because those those cows need to grow, they grow 600 pounds in their first year. Now, if babies did that, they would be 60 pounds in a year. So we don't need 60 pound one year old babies, human babies. Um, So that dairy just has um, some real detrimental effects, but it really does send Um, you know, that dopamine rush in our brain, it sets off like fireworks in our brain uh, when we eat it, because it really is um, tapping into those receptors. So you're right, that is the hardest one. It is cheese is also the number one source of saturated fat in the American diet. I mean, we have cheese on so many things. And, um, and it's intentional, our government subsidizes cheese and dairy. And so they need to use all this cheese. So um, it's really crazy to learn about uh, the use of cheese in in America. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things. If you give it a time period, you know, draw a line in the sand and go, okay, I'm not going to have cheese for two weeks. Um, you will be amazed and your gut will likely be amazed. You know, 70% of people uh, can't process cheese or milk. So the rest of us um, can, but you might notice that your body doesn't like it as much as you thought it did uh, if you give it up for a while and and then have it. But that excess protein from um, animal products is really harmful in our bodies. Um, it increases growth hormone, IGF, uh, blood estrogen, free radicals, cancer mutations. Uh, it decreases natural killer cells and DNA um, repair. So there's a a lot of negative things that I, I would say if you're going to give up anything, give up dairy first um, and notice how your body feels. And second, meat and then oil. And these are all things your body doesn't need uh, and will function better without. And there are amazing alternatives to those products that are, they're going to give you more of what your body needs and you're going to feel so much better eating them. And like we said, you're going to save money in the process. It's going to be easier to cook these things. It's going to be easier to clean your kitchen. You're not going to have grease splattered everywhere. And um, well, I, I like to say, it's the same reason you don't pour grease or oil down your pipes, your kitchen pipes, because it clogs them. The same thing happens in our bodies. That's atherosclerosis. That's heart disease. So um, the sooner we can get away from these kinds of foods, the better we'll be doing for ourselves and the planet. Yeah. And I know, like you mentioned it too, with the olive oil or, you know, other oils and stuff, how it's so condensed. Like, I think you were saying like in a tablespoon, there's like 50 olives or something. And I was like, 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 it's like, it's like things that we know, but we don't really process and put together. Like, would you eat a handful of olives? Probably not. So like, why are you like coating your food in this like super condensed concentrated oil? Right. And I think it's just like, once you sort of like 
realize these things and just become like more aware of them. I think that's when it's easier to make those transitions and be like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be consuming this. And like, even if you slowly just start to cut back and I know, um, that's like, we use oil a lot. And like, since reading your book, it's like gotten me thinking like, okay, maybe we can use like broth in like cooking our veggies or like, uh, like pan frying them and stuff or like whatever we're pan frying or using um like yeah so broth or like water and and yeah. doing it that way so we're we're slowly <laughs> testing it nice out step. and seeing yeah seeing yeah, how that I mean, goes yeah it is a transition and you know even when i first heard like well how how are you supposed to cook without oil you know how does that even work but like you said it's really simple you can just use water or veggie broth and your your food will cook in a similar way you might not get that oil crisp kind of thing but you can roast veggies with veggie broth and still get them to get crisp it's all about the high heat um but yeah you won't be lining your arteries with plaque in the process you know you won't be eating a, a product that is a hundred percent process 100% fat um, that you don't need. And if you are missing olives, like, like you said, you know, a tablespoon of olive, depending on the type of olive can be up to 50 olives. So eat a handful of olives, eat two handfuls of olives, if you want, your body is going to use that so differently when it's got the fiber and the vitamins and minerals and all those things packaged like that, it will use it efficiently. um, And in a much different way than it will if you're just eating processed oil or food. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like a lot of the times, like, you know, in becoming pregnant or like having your first child and you're going to all these doctor's appointments and then like you're seeing the pediatrician, it's kind of like, why are our doctors not telling us these things? But again, like something that's in your book, something that I've like definitely become more aware of is like our doctors are not nutritionally trained. They don't take, maybe they take one class in nutrition, but they're not studying that. They're studying medicine. They're studying their field specifically. They're going into those things. So like, I think it's just like, unless the doctor takes those steps to like further their education and nutrition, that's why they're not like considering these things because I feel like it is something that's starting to become more like, okay, there's a link between like our health and our food, but like it's, it's wild to think that like, how have we not put these things together and why is it not more mainstream in our, our doctors in the medicine field? Yeah, (laughs) you're right. It's, it's a real tragedy and the tides are turning. I think, um, mayor Eric Adams of New York just, um, has a partnership going with, um, lifestyle medicine doctors and they're giving, um, nutrition education to 200,000 doctors in training and healthcare professionals, um, along with changing the food in New York hospitals to plant-based and, um, the food that children get in New York city schools on Fridays to plant-based entirely. So, you know, changes are starting to happen, but you're right. You know, I, I think doctors for the most part are lovely people who want to help people, but, um, they might not have ever heard about this way of eating. They might themselves not know about how to eat well, because you're right that maybe they got one course in nutrition. And even that was probably more the biochemistry and how biochemical contents work in food, not so much uh, how can food be used as a medicine. So, um, you know, we need doctors for, uh, for things, but um, yeah, nutrition might not be um, your doctor's specialty, but you know, there are many doctors out there now um, championing this 
this message. So Dr. Gregor, Dr. McDougall, Dr. Ornish, um, Dr. McDougall's daughter, Heather, she had all her kids plant-based. She didn't uh, eat any animal products and she ate this way and she's got healthy teenagers now. And she talks about that. So yeah, there's, there are many people who are starting to rise to the surface and, um, and let people know that they don't have to be uh, sick with, with the medicine that they're on and having to take that um, a lot of these things can be reversed, prevented just by changing what you eat three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, again, like, it's just something that like, I've gotten more into. And like, I constantly feel like I'm excited about anything, like when it comes to like food and nutrition and things like that. So um, I think there's definitely like so much there. And there's so much that like, is science based, but then there's also just like personal experience, like evidence based and everything that like, you can and and, like I was saying before, it's like individual, like you have to kind of know yourself and what your way of eating is for you. And, and I think that's going to be different, even if like, you know, as a family, you're eating a certain way, there's going to be things that like you personally react to differently. Um, just because we're all, we're all unique. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's many, a, a wide range of tastes and preferences, right? But when you think about all the plethora of food that is out there, you know, sometimes people initially are like, well, what do you eat if you don't eat? I mean, we say we don't eat anything with a mother or a face, you know? And so like, well, what about eggs? You know, like, no, not eggs either. Um, but then you think about all the fruits and vegetables out there, you know, I mean, it's incredible. Just all the grains that we can get now, even that, you know, Kamut and Teff and all these things that, you know, 12 years ago, you probably hadn't heard of, but um, there's such a wide range, endless range of food options to eat that are healthy, good for us, that don't do anything detrimental, um, that there are wide ways to prepare, um, yeah, that, that aren't causing harm to our bodies or the planet. So it definitely is worth exploring for sure. Yeah. Oh, I did have a question. I can't remember if this is one thing that you address in the book or not, but what about honey? So if you're a strict vegan, um, vegans don't eat honey, right? Because um, it's made by bees. I would say we do eat honey, not that we don't care about bees. We love bees and we need them on our planet at work. Um, But we came at this from a health perspective first. And, you know, it was all about my grandfather had Alzheimer's. He died of pancreatic cancer. My uncle died of pancreatic cancer. My dad's in the early stages of Alzheimer's. So we really came at this from a health perspective. of not wanting to take cholesterol medication, of trying to figure out how to help our bodies avoid getting these diseases and finding out that really genetics is only five to 10% of what causes cancers and disease. 90% is lifestyle. So that includes food, um, but also getting enough sleep, you know, drinking enough water, getting movement and having community. So all these things. Um, So, you know, learning more about this, going back to school for my plant-based nutrition certificate, um, I learned more about the detrimental effects to the environment and um, animals and all of that. So, we didn't come at this from the vegan standpoint, but those who are vegan would say that they, they wouldn't eat honey. Um, and a one note on that too, you know, there's a lot of uh, coming from the vegan standpoint, there's a lot of, I would say, vegan junk food out there now. So I really try and emphasize this is eating whole plant-based foods, not packaged 
fake meats or fake hot dogs or fake cheese. Um, you know, some people use those to transition away from the real animal products and that's okay, but you do want to transition away from them because oftentimes those things are just loaded with fat and salt and sugar. Um, and it can lead to the same health problems that eating animal products did. So um, while it might be saving some animal lives, it won't be saving your life. Uh, so, so using those things appropriately, I would say, um, is important. Ah, there's so much there. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, like people can like, you know, learn more by reading your book, but like, how else can they get in contact with you? Or like, where else are you at? What are you up to? Like everything yeah. on that sort. Sure. Um, yeah, my website, www.forforkssakebook.com. Um, if you sign up there, I've got a weekly newsletter and I put out information, um, places I am and uh, recipes, success stories, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a great place. My email is on there. You can contact me. I also do consultations. So for people who are transitioning this way, but are, you know, wondering about is, is this the right stuff to give my kids? What can I do for lunches? Or, uh, you know, how do I get back to this. I, I do one-on-one -on -one consultations with people. Um, I'm also on Instagram at for Forksake book and uh, Facebook as well. And um, if you sign up on my website to get the newsletter, there is a free um, downloadable printable guide to cooking and baking without oil. Like you're saying, there's some yeah. easy tips for you can do all your baking. All you need is some applesauce or a banana, or you can use baby food. Prune puree works just fine as well. So um, tips on there. And I do like to let people know that 50% of the proceeds from the book um, are being donated to charity and 1% is going to 1% for the planet. This really was my aim at giving back to people because our family's health has benefited so much. And I've watched other people that I work with, their health benefit as well. I, I wanted to make this available for people um, who might not pick up a highly scientific read or uh, want to learn more, but aren't sure what to do. Um, this was my aim at, at doing that. That's amazing. Is that the same case for the audiobook? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any, any proceeds from the book or yeah, 50% are donated to charity. Yeah. Perfect. So what is, let's end on what is something going back to, you know, your early days of entering motherhood, something you wish you maybe would have known then that you know now? Oh gosh, so much. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like on the eating front, I wish I would have known that it's possible to eat until you're full, not have to restrict your eating. I mean, I just remember trying to lose postpartum weight and feeling like this is taking forever and I don't feel comfortable in my body, you know, um, and exercising a lot, um, you know, just just trying to find my body again after having kids. And um, I wish I would have known that just by changing what I was eating, I could have been, you know, completely satisfied with what I was eating and more healthy. Um, just yeah, it felt so much better in that season of life. So I mean, that is really my aim to help people learn that as soon as possible, because um, the world will just be a happier, much happier place if people are feeling good in their bodies and having the energy they need to do what they need to do for their kids and their families. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for, you know, like coming on and, and sharing what you know and, and letting us know where we can find you. 
Yeah, of course, Sarah. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful, wonderful treat. Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.